Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. This is Amanda. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are a church family that exists to love God, love people, and do something about it. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit us at rockc3.com or head over to your app store and search Rock C3 for our app. This is the second week of our series called The Easter Door from Pastor Josh Finkley. Enjoy the message. So thankful that 2,000 years ago, the enemy thought he'd won, and Jesus said, no, not a chance. And 2,000 years removed from that to today, when we think that we've lost, when we think that we're defeated, when the enemy's speaking into our lives saying that you're done, we can say, no, you thought you had me, but Jesus said, Jesus said, And I pray today that as we go through a message here in a second, that we'll recognize that, that we are not defeated even by our own foolishness, but we are forgiven. Jesus, I come before you. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you for what you did against the enemy, against evil, against darkness. As the enemy was coming to steal, kill, and destroy, you came to give life and to give it to the full, and we are thankful. And Jesus, I pray that today we will respond in a way that is fitting to what you have already declared. In your name, amen. 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 So, hey, man, I'm really glad you guys are with us today, and I hope that that you're having a great day so far. Um, I want to do a shout out uh, to everybody who might be watching online right now. Uh, So we all do me a favor and just welcome everybody who's online with us or maybe watching on demand at a later date. Um, really glad that you guys are with us. And, and I, I want to say this to anybody who maybe is newer, maybe you've only been here for a week or two here um, at The Rock, or maybe you're new online, make sure you get connected with us. Well, like, I'm glad you're here, and, and I hope that you're connected with Jesus even through worship, but we want you to connect with others. We, we want you to connect with people because we really believe when you connect with Jesus and others, you find what matters. And that's really what this series is about. It's about finding what matters through the cross. Uh, that, that we kind of started a series last week. Uh, we'll kind of call it week zero or the prequel. And uh, we had a friend come in. His name was Mark. And, and he did an incredible job just helping us understand the realities of the cross. And then what I want to do is for the next five weeks is just build off of that. Like, I want us to look at the cross and see it as a door. Uh, We've been talking about doors for nine months now, and this is the kind of the finality of that series or of of this whole theme. And what we're going to see is the cross is like a door that, that offers different things. And it'll culminate on Easter weekend, which is less than a month away. I I know that sounds crazy. Five Sundays from today, including this one, so really four from now, is Easter Sunday. It's right around the corner. And I'm fired up and I'm excited about it because there are, we're going to, we're going to end this series 
talking about the door and about how the Easter door gives us access. And as we finalize and complete the series, we'll have a baptism Sunday. And I really believe that many people are going to take the step of baptism. And you might be here right now and you've never taken that step. You don't have to wait till Easter. We're ready for you now. But, but my hope is over the next four weeks, as we talk about the cross, that you'll come to a point where you'll say, I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus Christ. And you might have friends that need to hear that message. In front of you, in the, in the, in the pockets, on the back of the chairs, there should be some cards. If there's no cards, what it means is everybody at the 10 o'clock took them all and praised God for that. Mike, I'm just going to ask, are there any cards in front of you? Just a few. You're not going to throw them under the bus. You're going to say, they took most of them. I see what you're doing there, okay? So there should be some cards in front of you. If there's not, grab some out at the connect corner or the tables on your way out. Because we want to make sure that our entire community hears about our Easter services. And we're going to be doing a couple of extra here on this campus. We're going to be doing two on Saturday night as well as three on Sunday morning. Um, and that, that can be help you because you might go like, it's going to be crowded on Sunday. So I'm going to come on Saturday to open a chair for somebody on Sunday. It could be that you're going to be out of town on Sunday, but can come on Saturday. And the other thing we're doing on Saturday is we're offering one at, our, at the South Strand at St. James High School for the first time ever, okay? Uh, that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fired up about that. It's going to be incredible. Uh, so if you know people live that direction or you live that direction, come to Saturday night service with us uh, there at St. James High School. And again, we're going to talk about this idea of the cross is a door that gives us access. That's what we'll talk about on Easter. Uh, Today, we're going to say that the door of the cross offers forgiveness. That the cross offers forgiveness for our foolishness. If I could say it this way, at the cross, my foolishness meets his forgiveness. And, And I just want us to all just come to grips with this right now, that all of us, have been foolish. I'm not trying to like step on your toes or do anything like that, but but we just need to come to grips with it that each and every one of us have been foolish when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, that we've missed the mark at different points in our life. And, And I want us to see that in our foolishness, we're not without hope, but in our foolishness, we can find forgiveness at the cross. And that's my prayer is that that'll happen today. And that that we'll recognize it by by simply seeing what Jesus said. That that Jesus spoke from the cross. That that he actually said seven different statements from the cross. And, And through this series, we're gonna deal with five of them. Today, we deal with this one. And this is what Jesus said from the cross. The very first thing he said, Father Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then there's a whole lot to unpack here. And so what I want to do, the way I want to unpack it, is I actually want to start with the back end of the verse first, where it says this, for they don't know what they are doing. Have you ever done something foolish, but you had no clue that you'd actually done it? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like maybe you were a kid, And you did something foolish, and at the moment you didn't realize it was foolish until you got in trouble for it. 
Like, like, and then all of a sudden when, when mom or dad said, Hey, we're going to deal with this. You, you came to understand it. Or, or maybe, maybe it was one of those moments where, where you did something and you just didn't understand. I remember a time a friend of mine was working on a golf cart, excuse me, a, a, not a golf cart, but a, I forget what they're called, a go-kart, a go-kart. And he had the spark plug out, but still stuck to the wire. And he said, Josh, put your finger on the end of the spark plug. I want to see if it's sparking. I didn't know that was a bad idea, Terry. I quickly came to understand it was foolish. Or how about this one? How many of you all men in, inside of the first year of your marriage was told by your wife that you did something foolish and you needed forgiveness? Okay, Brad, you're the only one. Okay, I would hope more guys would admit this with me. I know it was my first year of marriage. I was a youth pastor down in Southern Indiana. And in Southern Indiana, we had a ski slope about 30 minutes away from where we lived. And so myself and two of our high school students, two, two dudes, we got midnight passes. So this is how it worked. You can only go on Friday night, but on Friday night from midnight to six in the morning, you could ski for really cheap. Now, as a young adult, that was awesome. Uh, today, that would kill me, okay? But, but, but back then, it was great. So me and these two high school students, we went every Friday night in the winter, and we had a blast. And, and I don't remember what led up to this Friday night. I just remember it was Friday night, I was at home, and Krista was a little upset. I, I don't remember why she was upset. I, I, I honestly don't think I had done anything. Um, but, but she was upset and I remember talking with her and kind of consoling her a little bit. But as, as I'm doing that, I'm looking at my watch going, I got to leave. And at some point when I felt like I had said enough and she was in a good position, I said, Hey baby, is it okay? The guys are waiting on me. I need to go skiing and go pick them up so we can go skiing. To which she looked at me and she said, that's fine. That's not fine. You're, somebody sit over here. You're right. But it's worse than that. Because I thought that I was helping the moment. If Krista was here with a microphone, she would tell the story different. She would say it was a Friday night. We were sitting at home and I was sitting on my bed bawling my eyes out because I was so upset over something. And Josh looked at me and said, I need to go skiing. Is that okay? To which I said, that's fine. And my fine and her fine sounds a lot different. And my thought on her emotions and her thoughts on her emotions were drastically different. But I thought it was okay, so I left and I went skiing, skied all night, came home at six in the morning, I'm freezing because I'd been out on the snow, I jump into bed, and I scooch on over to try to get warm. And guess what I realized? She's not fine. <laughs> and I got a foot right up my butt, okay? <laughs> like, get away from me. And in that moment, I realized Oh, I need forgiveness because I've done something foolish. I've done something foolish. And I think that's where we're at in this scripture. If we go back for it, for they don't know what they are doing. 
I didn't know what I was doing. Right? Doesn't make it right at all. It was wrong in the moment, but I didn't understand. And in the same way, Jesus was on the cross. He was being crucified and he looked to all of those around him and he said, for they don't know what they're doing, which blows my mind. He's talking to Roman executioners. They knew what they were doing. We talked about that last week. Like they understood how to kill somebody. That, that he's looking at the Jewish religious leaders. It's like they seem that they know what they're doing. But they didn't. They didn't have a good understanding of who Jesus really was. Oh, they mocked him for it. Let's read the next verse. It reads like this. It says, and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. Well, like, like if you're really who you are, like, like go ahead and save yourself. They, they continued on. Next verse. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, well, save yourself. So as they're saying these kind of things, Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It wasn't just them, though. Think about the last 24 hours. In just a mere 24 hours, the disciples betrayed him. His friends left him. Peter denied him. Ananias slapped him. The Sanhedrin judged him. The guards crowned him. The soldiers whipped him. Pilate sentenced him. And the executioners crucified him. So, so when Jesus is saying, well, they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, the, the crowd, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, the, the disciples, they don't know what they're doing. How could he say that? Well, I think some of it goes to the sovereignty of God. And he's saying, well, they don't understand that they're actually fulfilling your very plan. I think that's part of it. But I think it goes even deeper than that. That he's looking at them and saying, they just don't understand who I am. That the, the Jews think I'm crazy. The, the Romans think I'm a criminal. That the disciples, they don't understand what it means that I am the Christ. And if you take those three aspects, they don't understand. And I believe we're probably in the same boat. My guess is there's some of us here today that we just think Jesus is crazy. Like there's no way Jesus could have meant all that stuff that he said. There's no way that Jesus could be saying that I, that I really have to pick up a cross and deny myself. There's no way that the, Jesus says that I have to honor him more than I honor other people in my life. There's no way Jesus could mean that I've got to give up everything to follow him. Like Jesus just seems crazy. Or maybe you think that Jesus is like a criminal. And what I mean by that is you say Jesus is actually coming to steal life from me. You don't understand that, no, he really wants to give life to you. And I think some of us, we just don't understand what it means that Jesus is truly the Christ. We don't understand the, 
the depth of that. That what does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? And therefore, the one who is in charge, the promised one, the holy one of God, that he is God. So what we end up doing, because we don't understand him as a Christ, we don't understand that, that he's not a criminal, that he's not crazy, but that he truly is who he is. What it causes us to do is we sin against him. And when we sin against him, we do something foolish against him, we don't understand the gravity of it. Guys, I'll just be honest. Before I was walking with Jesus, I didn't understand the gravity of my sin. Oh, sometimes I felt guilty, but I didn't understand the gravity of it, the weight of it, the seriousness of it. And I can even say this, after I became a Christian, there's many times that I don't understand the gravity of it or the weight of it. Because it is so far beyond my comprehension. So what we end up doing is we look at sin and we think, well, it's no big deal. We'll say things like this. Maybe you're guilty of this. Well, yes, I know I sinned, but I didn't sin like that person sinned. Or, yeah, I know I sinned, but I've done this to correct it, and, and I've done enough good things over here to take care of the bad things I've done over there. That, that I think sometimes we look at sin, and we don't, we don't even want to call it sin. We'll say, well, it's just like a sickness. You know, it, it's just like, like something that has come into my life. We'll say it this way. This is what I mean by sickness. We'll say things like, well, I can't help it. That's how I was raised. That's just part of my DNA. That's just the upbringing that I have. That's just the environment that I've been in. And it's almost like something that we've caught. We don't think it's very serious. Or even as Christians, we'll say, well, I'm just a slave to sin. And that's because of Adam thousands of years ago. He sinned. And because of Adam, well, then we're all sinners. So I'm just a slave to sin. So it's really not my fault. It's Adam's fault. We have to come to grips with the seriousness of our sin, of our foolishness. And here's what it is. That when we sin, we commit high treason against the creator God. That, that we become a rebel. That, that, that we put ourselves opposite of him. See, here, here's how it works. That God created mankind different than he created everything else in creation. That he created mankind in his image. That he gave us wisdom, that he gave us the ability to think, us the ability to reason, us with a spirit and a soul and eternal life. He created us in his image. But when we sin, we actually go to this side and we say, well, God, I want to create you in my image. And we redefine God. And we separate ourselves from him. And it's an act of treason and rebellion. And here's what I believe is that many times we don't even realize we've done it. We don't even realize our own foolishness. Now, it reminds me just this weekend, I had a chance to go to Walt Disney World with my granddaughter. Now, Technically, that my, my kids and my wife, they were there as well, but I was really there. To, 
I mean, I was really there to be with my wife and my granddaughter. Um, don't want to get in trouble again, but you understand what is happening. But while I was there, we, we were in uh, Hollywood Studios, and we were walking around the new Star Wars area, and it, it was cool. Like, I loved it. And we got to this one part where a couple stormtroopers came out and Kylo Ren came out. And if you don't know Star Wars, Kylo Ren's a bad guy. That's all you really need to know, okay? And, and they're in full, full get up, full get up. And he walks out on this, like, like a platform like this, and he's overlooking. And obviously, as soon as these characters show up, kids and families and everybody starts coming towards the towards. But, you know, they're all, you know, about this far apart. And at one point, Kylo Ren looks at this little boy and he goes, and this little boy, no joke, he's got a Slurpee in his hand, straw in his mouth. He's like, and he walks all the way up to the platform. All right, so it's like this now. And Kylo Ren looks at him and says, will you join the dark side? And the kid's like, And everybody did exactly what we just did. We're just like, oh, that's so cute. No. He's being foolish in the moment. He didn't understand that he was going from the, 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 the side of God to the dark side. All he thought was, that seems cool. And people are enjoying it. And then Kylo Ren said, now get away. And he's like. How often do we do the same thing? That we don't understand that what we're doing is we are rebelling against God, creator God. Uh, the apostle Paul, his, his birth name was Saul. He finally came to grips with this. Because see, Saul had been following a very religious way for a long time. And you'll read about this in your quest book this week if you're, if you're on that journey with us. But, but what, what happened is Saul was killing Christians and, and walking away from Jesus and persecuting Christ. But one day, Christ got his attention. One day, Christ reached out to him. One day, Christ kind of blinded him along the road and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in that moment, Saul's like, who are you, Lord? Like, like I, I got to know. Like, I was foolish. He was foolish. He's like, I don't even know who you are, Lord. Who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus Christ, the one you are persecuting. And immediately Saul surrendered. I love the way Saul put it, Paul. He wrote it this way when he was writing one of his kids that he was kind of mentoring in the, in the ministry. He said, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence. I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. This is a man who prided himself on doing everything right. And now he's saying, I am the worst of sinners because he came to grips with his foolishness. And that's what I want to encourage us to do right now. Come to grips with our foolishness and allow our foolishness to meet forgiveness at the cross. Which takes me back to the, the, this verse. Jesus said, Father... Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
Father, forgive them. Set them free. Do not hold their sins against them. Do not hold their foolishness against them. Think about it. In this moment that Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's in this darkest hour. He starts to pray. What about you when you're in your darkest hour? How do you pray? My guess is you pray like I do. We say, God, I need help. God, I need you. God, intervene in my situation. Jesus, in his darkest moment, how does he pray? Father, forgive them. Do you you see it? That rather than think about himself, he's thinking about us. That that rather than thinking about about himself, he's thinking about the soldier. He's thinking about the criminals. He's thinking about his disciples. He's thinking about the Jewish leaders. He's thinking about all the people that were right there in front of him. But I don't think it that stopped there. I think it went a step further. I think he was thinking about the people a couple hundred years later. I think he was thinking about the people a couple thousand years later. I think he's thinking about you, Chris. I think he's thinking about you, Bobby. I think he's thinking about me. I think he's thinking about each and every one of us that is here right now. That he's hanging on that cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them. Which means when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. When Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. But not just his mind. You were on his lips. Because he said, Father, forgive them. And he prayed. He made intercession. I love the way the prophet Isaiah records it. He says it this way in Isaiah 53, 12. He says, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. The rebels, that's us. We're the rebels. We're the ones who have walked away from God. We're the ones that have committed high treason. Yet Jesus came and he counted himself amongst us. And then he bore the sins of many, which means he bore the sins of Josh. And he interceded for the rebels. That that he took our place, that he stepped in the gap, that he said the words, that he hung there on the cross and he interceded on our behalf with his words and with his works. It wasn't just his words, it was also his works, the fact that he was willing to die. Look at this next verse. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave us. He forgave us. Look at that word right there, his blood. It was through his blood that forgiveness is found. 
See, we can have freedom. We can have freedom over the things that we've done that we know that we've done, but we can also have freedom over the things that we don't even know that we've done as an act against God. It was, it was what he said to the people back then that he still says to us today. So, so my question as we wrap up would be this. Is the blood still the blood? Is the blood still the blood? I mean, did the blood work 2,000 years ago? Well, according, according to this text, it did. According to Paul, he says that he poured out his grace upon us in kindness and he purchased our freedom through his son and he forgave our sins. So what Paul is saying is 2,000 years ago is the prayer was answered and the blood worked. So is the blood still the blood? Well, here's what I'd say. If the blood is still the blood, then let's trust the blood. Let's trust it. And let's start looking at the cross a little different. Let's start looking at the cross, not as just something that was 2,000 years ago, but something that is today. Let's hear the words of Jesus, not just 2,000 years ago, but let's hear the words of Jesus today, where he says, Father, forgive them. You could take out them and you can put in your name. Father, forgive blank. Maybe like these people did. Father, forgive Kim. Father, forgive Debbie. Father, forgive Jeff and Paulette and Erica. Because if it worked back then, it still works today. Because the blood is still the blood. So what I can do is I can come to the cross and I can know that what Jesus did back then is sufficient. And I can trust that, that what he did back then still works today. And I can allow my foolishness to meet his forgiveness at the cross. So that's what I invite us all to do today. Meet Jesus at the cross and allow our foolishness, your foolishness, to be forgiven. And you might want to do that by coming up and placing your name here and saying, yep, Jesus, I trust that, that the blood is still the blood. For some of us, it was 30 years ago that we gave our life to Christ and the blood is still the blood. It still works. For some of you, maybe you've never surrendered. See, Jesus did the work, but he does ask us to acknowledge it. And we acknowledge it by doing things like this. This is a confession. That's all this really is. We, we do it, we acknowledge it by when we take communion, we're saying, Jesus, the blood is still the blood. When we take a step of baptism, we're acknowledging it, saying that, Jesus, I'm dying to myself. I'm living for you because I trust that I am forgiven and I'm set free. 
Today is a day to respond and acknowledge the blood is still the blood. And because of that, our foolishness meets his forgiveness right here. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about how to give to God through The Rock, you can find that information on our app or on our website. Another way that you can give to us is simply by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, telling your friends about it. All those things are super helpful. We hope you have a great week.